This is a pre-recorded version of the WTKA Roundtable <laughs> on WTKA, unsurprisingly, 9 o'clock Thursdays. It is recorded, however, so if you call in, no one will answer. And we are here, folks, on the Michigan Insider on Sports Talk 1050, WTKA, online at WTK.com. Sam Webb and Derek Laughlin on the other side. And so let me test something real quick. <laughs> Seth Fisher. Hey. How you doing? Hey, you can hear me? I'm, I'm alive. Seth I'm Fisher. Alive. There you go. Now I can hear Seth Fisher. How are you today? I'm, I'm fine. I'm, I'm fine. Uh, getting a little feedback. All right. But... All right. Brian Cook, how are you? I'm 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 better than the technical issues we're having. Are you are you guys hearing feedback like double echo kind of stuff right now? I'm I'm good now. Okay. Good. Good. So that if you're good, I think Seth's good. Craig, are you good too? <laughs> Craig's not good. Craig's not good. I don't know why Craig isn't good. We'll see if we can figure that out on the fly. Unfortunately, folks, this is live radio, and we don't have all of that figured out at the moment. Until we do, I will talk to those that I can here on the MGO Blog Roundtable on Sports Talk 1050, WTKA online at WTK.com. It's kind of fitting, guys, because this is kind of how the Michigan basketball season has gone around. <laughs> I mean, it yeah, if, uh, if we suddenly get a lot worse in the last five minutes of this radio hour, then... <laughs> Yeah, and, and one of us looks like a pro, which uh, while well, the rest of us are just kind of floundering, which which uh, which also kind of fits, doesn't it? Man, you, I, I looked at the Indiana game and watched how down the stretch you could see they were clearly making a concerted effort to get Hunter Dickinson the ball, and they could not get it to him. It led to them zero for seven in the last five plus minutes of the game. A uh, game that I thought they outplayed Indiana for the most part, and then they wind up losing. And I think that you know that's probably the most gut wrenching uh, close loss of the season. Then we see them against Wisconsin uh, a couple of days ago, and that one was even worse, fellas. And I, I'm struggling to find the you know any possible answer that they come up with this season because they, every close game they've had, they've lost so far. Yeah, and I mean, I don't want to get. I know I'm literally on sports talk radio, and I don't, but I don't want to get sports talk radio about this. But their effort level against Wisconsin was pathetic. They got crushed on the offensive boards by a team that's in the 350s in offensive rebounding. And they had a 6'7 guy on Hunter Dickinson, and that worked for them. And I was just like, why am I watching this team? Like, there's teams where you're just like, this isn't a very good team, but they're okay to watch. It's tough to watch this team. They are really frustrating. And I don't really see any solutions on the horizon this year. Uh, yeah, I found myself um, mostly frustrated with the with the guards and wings not 
not boxing out. Yeah, no, that's yeah. exactly right. Like, you know, there's just guys swooping in from the perimeter and like a lot of the guys who should be boxing out just are not. And some of that's youth. I mean, we got freshmen and Kobe Bufkin's very young for a sophomore, but I mean, you're 25 games into a season and to, to, to give up that kind of offensive rebounding to a team that just doesn't go to the offensive boards. I mean, it really seems like Wisconsin identified that as a weakness and went to exploit it. And then the various actions they were running those short curls to get guys to the bucket that worked pretty much every time they missed one in the second half where they had a guy wide open under the bucket while Michigan is just not running offense that gets those kind of looks nearly as often. You've got Kobe Bufkin having a pretty good game getting to the basket, but in terms of the structure of what Michigan's trying to do, getting them good shots, that's just not really happening. So, and again, I think that largely goes back to a freshman point guard, but it's just tough to watch right now. Uh, there was, I mean, there was Terrence Williams too, right? Like they're, they're without Terrence Williams. They got Will Shetter in there and Terrence Williams is a top 500 defensive rebounder. I mean, he's not the greatest, but he's not awful at it. And Shetter, that is definitely not part of his game. Yeah. Well, I mean, at this point, I think Terrace should probably be the starting four. Like he's he's given you something, and I, I know he can't be out there because he's got a backup hunter. So you're going to have 20 minutes at the four for somebody else. But just in terms of when Michigan looks the best, I think it's when Terrace Reed and Hunter Dickens are both on the floor together. Yeah, it's a great point, and I think we have Craig, and so I'll use this to, yeah. to test. Yeah, there you are, Craig. There you are. I'm here. Yeah, yeah, we can um, hear you now. I've look. I I was definitely. I've been a proponent of some more Will Cheddar, and I I feel like you could feel Will in the first half, especially. He had some plays that didn't in stat sheet because he I uh, didn't get an assist on one. I think there was a a missed shot. Um, you know, he he, he uh, there was a uh, should have been an and one that the ref took from him. Yep. Oh, um, that yeah, was ter- that was just terrible. Yeah, and 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 but in the second half, to Brian's point, especially down the stretch, I thought Terrace should have been in the game. I thought Terrace definitely should have been. He he's been hitting his free throws. Um, you know, he was playing some good defense. Uh, he and then you wonder if he he's able to finish that last that last one from uh, from from Hunter. Uh, that that and figuring out a way to get Hunter the ball in crunch time situations, I think, is the the biggest charge right now for the coaching staff, you know, the more terrorists and figuring out how you get the ball to your best player in crunch time, Craig. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I'm with you, Sam. I was thinking pregame. Well, given uh, the fact that T will had really struggled in the prior game. I mean, he was, let's face it, awful. And uh, I thought maybe Cheddar would be a, a good alternative. And I thought, okay, T-Will is hurt, so we have an opportunity to see. And it didn't really work out any better. I mean, Cheddar did get uh, <coughs> hammered by uh, Kip Kissinger on that on that one play, who's a terrible referee anyway. Uh, but the story of the game, to me, is pretty much – described by Brian, which is we got killed on the offensive boards by a team that can't rebound. I mean, and and the, and supposedly it was 15 to 8. It wasn't close to that. Those numbers are way understated. When I went back, went back through the game, it's closer to 20 to 8. 
and uh, and so it's 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 dreadful. I will say the I try and learn something new every week, and and what I learned this week is that, uh, and this is remarkable, that J. Fred Muggs, who was born in March of 1952 and was a television star through 1977, is still alive. And uh, his, and I thought, you know, I thought, well, what's Muggs been doing since he retired from TV since 1977? Well, many thought that the new uniform designers for Wisconsin was Frank Nitty, but in fact not. It's J. Fred Muggs. So, and I think if you look at those uniforms, that's, you know, verifiable. <laughs> okay, Craig. Uh, so for as, as many uh, offensive boards as they gave up, as many uh, backdoor cuts as uh, saw clear to the rim, Wisconsin didn't score a field goal in the last 1045 of this game. <laughs> Yeah, they did not. They went oh for fifteen, oh for fifteen in the last nearly eleven minutes of the game, and they won. I, I just, I, you know, I, I can't. When, when you see that, when you see them lose that way, I'm not a superstitious guy. I just feel like they're. It's hard for me to see them finding. To your point, Brian. Uh, any kind of any kind of answer is can what can you grow this year? And I'm looking at Terrace Reed yeah. as, as be between Terrace Reed and growing uh, Dougie up some some more. Seeing uh, that was the most Grand Rapids like we've seen Kobe Buffkin. I'm taking individual improvements and making that be my measure of of what they do down the stretch. Yeah, I mean that's basically it, right? Just try to find some sort of traction for next year with guys who are actually going to be back yeah i don't know if howard's going to be back i don't know if dickinson's going to be back but buffkin mcdaniel and reed seem to be kind of your core to build around yeah doug you know is improving a lot but there and this has been sort of symptomatic of the season two in the uh, indiana game we're ahead 32 21 and we're kicking their asses and uh Indiana makes a dreadful pass into the middle of the court, just unforced turnover right to Joey Baker. Uh, Baker uh, pushes it up to uh, Doug as he should and, and, and fills the lane and, or excuse me, it's to Kobe. And Kobe has an easy basket to his left, which he's excellent at, at, at going left and taking, and taking that sort of semi hook to the left. Instead of doing that, he makes a no-look pass back to Doug. Uh, the ball's bobbled, called out of bounds. It's not out of bounds. It's a blown call. But in any event, as opposed to a 32-21 game, it then comes back the other way for a basket. Then later in the game, I think it's 53-46 Michigan with eight minutes to go. We've weathered it and, and, and run out. And we've got the ball. We're playing okay. And Doug, for some reason that I can't understand make, makes a, a no-look pass uh, that's to a wide-open guy. If he looks at the guy, he'll find him, but he makes a no-look pass. It's picked off as opposed goes down the other way for a run out. So as opposed to being up nine, we're up five. And it just seems, uh, you saw the same thing in the Northwestern game. It seems like we just can't seem to stand success. 
And uh, when they are successful, they get, I don't know what it is, uh, uh, careless. And so it's really been one of the most maddening seasons of my life. And, and I, there have been teams that Michigan has had that are just terrible. Uh, I get it. Or that are hopeless for one reason or another. This team doesn't seem that. This team just seems like, oh, how do we make every conceivable mistake at the worst possible time for no apparent reason? Uh, and or just come out and, you know, at times seem like not play hard. I've yeah. never seen anything like it. Maybe you have, but I've been watching basketball at Michigan now. I can't even count 60 years. And uh, not, this has been the most frustrating season, even through worse. There have been worse teams, but this is the most frustrating. One. Yeah, it's frustrating when they come back. They're, they're down 12 and they come all the way back. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just you miss Hunter misses uh, one or two free throws. Will Cheddar misses two. And then they 63% free throw shooter goes and knocks down both. It's like, man, you know what? You know, maybe this is <laughs> this is just not the year for this squad. Yeah. They gotta show, they gotta show some improvement. And you're talking about Hunter not coming back. He he talked last week when in our sit-down with him, like a guy who's seriously, seriously contemplating his return. He talked about legacy. Um, you know, he talked about his success in IL wise. He didn't tell us what he's definitely going to do. I don't think he knows, but I think the odds are hunchback next year. Uh, I'm, I'm more and more convinced, even with the frustration that he's going through, right? Cause he definitely, you could clearly see he's frustrated. Uh, I think he, he sees it being more lucrative coming back to Michigan uh, for his final year. Well, I mean, they got to have a heart to heart like Juwan and, Hunter need to like sit down and be like, this isn't working. How do we fix this? Cause yeah. it just doesn't really feel like he's the same player he was last year. And if you go to the stats, it's, it's pretty indicative. I mean, his post up percentile on synergy has gone down 25 points and he's still good. But you know, last year he was 94th percentile and that's, that's something that can drive your offense. Post ups are not, inherently efficient right so you need to have a guy who's really at the top end there if you're if you're going to be successful running your offense for the post and that's not the case this year and maybe michigan needs to get in more pick and roll situations where he can be used as a role man get him some more easy buckets but just having him set up on the block this year isn't really you know a winning move it's it's okay but it's not great well, you can't get him the ball consistently. Yeah, I mean, you got a six-seven guy on him, and like it's just really maddening for Wisconsin. I mean, nobody on that Wisconsin team can play. I think they have no talent, and they just they just out-efforted Michigan. Well, yeah, except for their uniform designer, I would tend to agree. The, uh, you know, the problem is is truly maddening i mean sam's right it would be nice if if they could run some pick and roll but i don't think hunter's very adept at it and neither are the guards so i don't see where that pick and roll game game would come from and so the only real alternative seems to be a simple two-man game lobbing it into the post but they're you know not very good at that either you know in terms of hunter coming back it seems to me that's would be great uh, especially next year because you've got Papa Conte coming in. And so you now have a, a, a rational rotation in the front court. You can play uh, 
you know, Terrace at the four. And I, mean, I don't and, think Papacante is going to be ready to play next year. Well, I don't He's, know if he, I think he can play defense. Centers generally take longer to develop. I know Hunter was pretty mm-hmm. good his freshman year, but like, and usually Terrace you don't get a, a guy like Papacante is Conte not going I mean, Conte is not even on Terrace's level in terms of like what he can do on the court right now. He's a guy who's probably going to need a virtual redshirt year. Yeah, yeah, I think. Yeah, I don't know, but at least you, right now the problem is, and why you don't see Terrace playing with Hunter is foul issues. Now in this game, like Sam says, it didn't make a lot of sense since I think Terrace had one at the end of the game and Hunter had two. So. It, you know, there was no reason for them not to be playing together in the second half. Whether that works or not, I don't know, but it looked, in the context of this game, looked better. Terrace is at least playing hard. You know, Doug is playing hard. Uh, Kobe is playing hard. Uh, they're playing hard, I think. It's not like there's a lack of effort. It's just like Crazyville. I, I, uh, really, it, I really don't get why Terrace Reed was not in there in like the last five minutes. Uh, I don't like either. like Shatter played 26 minutes in this game, and I I get rotation. I get that like you know uh, you got Williams out, so Shatter's the next guy at the four. But you gotta be watching the game, and in this game, Shatter cannot. He just doesn't have the athleticism. I mean, you know, Sam talked about missing his free throws, whatever <clears throat> free throws. Little bad luck that he didn't make those two particularly. That was on a dunk, right? Hunter drew all the attention to him, and then he gets the ball to Cheddar. Cheddar has an easy dunk. Any four in the Big Ten should be able to dunk that basketball. He goes up, and he starts coming down, and that's why he has to put the shot up, and that's why they're able to foul him, and then it's then he's shooting two. And that would not be a problem for Terrace Reed. Also not a problem for Terrace Reed is getting out on the perimeter, which was a problem for Cheddar a little bit. So, like, when you... If you can't match up athletically with Wisconsin, and that was the problem, they had Joey Baker and Hunter Dickinson and Will Cheddar out there together, and they could not match up athletically with Wisconsin. That is, I mean, that is a five alarm fire right there. And you got to look at that lineup and say, okay, we can't do this, right? I understand trying it, but by the end of this game, to still be trying to put out Will Cheddar, I get the idea. It's just, it was over. And they kept on doing it, and I think that was probably the difference of the game right there. I, I think, like I said, I I think Terra should have been in at that point. I get Will in the first. Will I thought had a good first half, but as the game played on played through and time went on, there was a difference with Terrace, clear difference with Terrace on the floor in the second half of that game. And I was just elated to see the dude when he steps to the free throw line he doesn't look like a dude who was struggling i like he's like give me the ball <laughs> let me go like yeah. he's he's confident at the free throw line right now so if he's making his free throws definitely he 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 should have gotten more minutes i think that was a mistake you know uh hopefully that's one that is a get into this this next game uh provided he uh is playing just as well they don't make that one Again, question is, what will be the next game? I, I'm curious what you guys think about Saturday. Do you think that game will even be played? Uh, no, it sounds like Michigan, and rightfully so, is following Michigan State's lead on it. But what do you guys think? I I don't know. I mean, that's not – it's above my pay grade. Yeah, I mean, this yeah. is – I mean, that's completely Michigan State's call. I imagine Michigan State will let them know, you know – Probably today or tomorrow, what the what the deal is, but I mean Michigan is going to be fine with 
whatever they choose to do, however they want to do it. I do hope they do it because there has been an amazing outpouring of love between these programs after what happened. And um, you don't get that very often. You don't get a reminder that, you know, little brother and big sister are siblings and actually care about each other. And you know, I, I know all of us have um, a lot of people, I especially I, I, I know some of you guys don't, but like most Michigan people know a lot of Michigan State Spartans. I spoke at um, Dooley's class uh, at the... At, the Education 212 class yesterday, and he asked the students, you know, who knows someone at Michigan State? Almost every single kid in class raised their hand. Uh, so, I mean, this hits really close to home, and I think there's a very clear reason why it keeps happening here, and it doesn't happen other places, but I know that's not what this radio show is about. Okay. Well, we've been talking about that all week. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, I think people know my, my opinion on the matter. And this is one where I agree. I mean, you, you, the, the lines, the rivalry lines evaporate when you talk about something like this. Um, there was a vigil on Michigan's campus last night, too. You look at campuses all across the state. Uh, you had the student population really standing up and voicing their, of course, their, their despair and sorrow, but frustration and anger about the lack of movement on anything tangible. Uh, when it comes to making them making the world around them safer. And so, you know, maybe maybe if, if there is something that uh, comes of this tragedy, it is that the, the young people, that this has galvanized them in a way uh, that we haven't seen to this point, because you you see them using their voices collectively across the state now. So maybe that will amount to something, guys. We'll see. We'll see. You know, the thing is, Sam, it's Michigan State today. It's Indiana tomorrow, Wisconsin the next day, uh, Michigan after that. This isn't going to stop. It's not going away. And it's an incredible tragedy. And yeah, it's good that Michigan and Michigan State and everyone else in the Big Ten has, you know, empathy for, what, for what's happened there and uh, empathy for the kids and, people at MSU, but it's a week from now, a month from now, it's just going to be, it's just a traveling show. It's a traveling road show of violence and uh, we're not dealing with it. We, you know, when I was in college, mm -hmm. I lived at the, um, the, my freshman year, I lived in the uh, basement of Mosher Jordan and we complained constantly that people were leaving our door open and anyone could come in because people would use our bathrooms and leave a mess in the shower or something like that. That was our problem. That was our big concern. <laughs> Students today are concerned about the same issue, that they're leaving the doors open and anyone can walk into their dorms, anyone can walk into any class, um, but for a much different reason. There are kids on the campus at Michigan State who this is their second school shooting. Uh -huh. yeah. right? There are Oxford graduates. There are, I think there was another kid who was at another one. I mean, now... Now we're on round two. We're on the sequel. And like waiting around for the generation that grew up having um, shooter drills just seems ridiculous. Like, <sighs> sorry, I don't want to I don't want to get into the I, I don't want to. Yeah, I wanted to get Look, I, <laughs> I, I've talked about this topic. We played Tom Izzo's speech at the vigil from, mm -hmm. from last mm -hmm. night. So, I mean, don't don't feel like I'm like the show, like the format limits you. We've sort of thrown that out. 
mm-hmm. all week long because it, it is something that transcends uh, the sport and it, it transcends that that campus. It extends throughout the state, and that's why I said, you know, Tom Izzo, as much as he was talking to those students and to that campus, uh, I, I think he was. It, it wasn't just about them; it was about us as well. It was about everywhere because the same speech will apply everywhere. To Craig's point. Hopefully this is something I'm trying not to be as pessimistic as I am typically about something happening as a result of some of these tragedies. You think things are going to change after Sandy Hook or after, mm. um, you know, after uh, Uvalde. Columbine. I know there, when I was in college, I there, it was Columbine. Yeah, I know there are a ton of other examples of these tragedies, but those two in particular where you had, uh, you know, nursery school, and elementary age kids being... <laughs> massacred and uh, it's hard to find optimism after that that something is going to change but maybe it's maybe it's these young people maybe it's these uh these college students and their frustration and anger in the aftermath of their despair and sorrow that are really going to motivate those who are in a position to have some legislative uh response <clears throat> to actually do so so listen we we'll get to a break We'll tune into some some other things. We'll continue to take your feedback on the uh, on the chat feed as well. We'll get back to it when we return here on the Michigan Insider on Sports Talk 1050 WTKA. The ticket. Brian, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear yeah. you. To your point, Hunter uh, was uh, three of seven from the paint in the Wisconsin game, so they got him seven looks against you know. Not great defenders in the paint. Um, it's quite, they did front him some, um, but you would think then he would be killing it on the offensive boards, you know, when you're fronting a guy like that. But they, I mean, I think that goes back to the backcourt. Doug's not a tall guy, and Doug does not know the offense well enough yet that they don't have their, their system down. And the other thing is that, like, you know, it, it's, it's a little bit of an effort deal. Hunter, when he goes up to get his rebounds, he's the first one to get his fingers on it. But he's not up high enough, and he's not up strong enough. And what happens is his fingers get on it, somebody else's fingers get on it, and it gets tipped out of his fingers. I can't tell you how many times a Michigan player was the first one to touch the ball on a rebound. But they go up a little early, maybe because it's in their heads or whatever, but um, they're not high-pointing it, and they're not getting to it. And it's like, and then, God. Cheddar, I, he's he's a great energy guy, but like uh, I'm, I'm Matt D who's saying this, uh, the endless our endless motor friend. Um, yeah, yeah. He was he was saying like Cheddar is a really good guy as your eighth or ninth guy, right? Come in, play five minutes, give you a shot of energy, play a little bit different than they're used to, and that's who he can be, right? Especially if he's knocking down threes and if he can make his free throws. Uh, he cannot play 26 minutes. It's just it, it you end up. You put him in a position where they can run actions at him, and he just doesn't have the ability. He doesn't, you know, I don't either. <laughs> Not on this basketball team. Well, yeah. Hi, can you guys hear me now? Yes. Yes, can okay, Sam. All right. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. The other thing that about basketball that's mystifying to me is how bad of a ball screen defense team we are. I mean, it's just remarkable. And I wonder. I mean, I think we're probably the worst team in the Big Ten, maybe Nebraska playing ball screens. Uh, and it, seem, it seems, I mean, in the first half of, I think it was the first half of Indiana, we played 
five drop coverages and gave up 10 points. It was like, it's, and as soon as Indiana saw us go into that ball screen drop coverage basket, you know, and, and so it, you know, on the other hand, we don't hedge very well either. So, I mean, it may, may just be that no matter, no matter what we, we do on those ball screens, we're just, we're just going to get killed. But, um, well, you saw against Indiana a couple times, or maybe it was Nebraska, actually. You saw against Nebraska, yeah. Doug goes over a screen. And it's like, oh, like everyone's eyes like open up for a yeah, second. Like, yeah. oh, my God, we can do that. And it, it like yeah. struck me that that used to be a very common thing. Because when you do that, that blows up the action. Right. The whole point of the screen is to, is to peel you off. Yeah. Um, and yeah, someone just put a, a little note in. Does anyone talk on defense? That's the other thing. They don't. The communication is terrible on this defense. Yeah, not consistently. Uh, you know, they, they do it in spots, but they don't. You can see yeah. them in the game against Wisconsin. They're kind of looking at each other like, hey, man. They, you know, they talk after the play. They look at me like, oh, that was your guy. No, that yeah. was your guy. And then Juwan has to yell, no, that was on you. The tough. Ah. Yeah. Part ah. of the problem is, is there isn't a single good defender on the team. I mean, there really is, isn't a single good defender. I mean, there are some really awful ones. Uh, but and, seems to be getting there. I mean, he, he's he the most, he's the most improved. Him, yeah. yeah, I would say he's probably the best defender we've got, but I still wouldn't call him a good defender. And we are back, folks, here on the Michigan Insider Sports Talk 1050 WTKA online at WTK.com. You know, when I pivoted to hockey last week, I actually got some complaints. <laughs> I actually got some complaints. Yeah, sure today. I'm like, man, hell, they're rolling. They are absolutely <laughs> rolling. And, and, you know, I know you, you, you're kind of moving away from the, the rivalry talk right here and now, but it's necessary to, and talk about Michigan hockey, reflect upon them beating Michigan State uh, in the last game in, in resounding comeback, you know, just breathtaking fashion, Brian. This this team is, is looking like it's trending towards something special. Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> single elimination playoff hockey. You can't trend towards anything in single elimination playoff hockey. But they're <laughs> they've won seven on the bounce. They're they've moved to the third in pairwise. They uh, have, I think, solidified their place in the tournament. Where it's like they he they cannot miss it at this point. And they're aiming for second in the Big Ten. And if you go back and you look at that series against Minnesota, where they had everybody out, like you, if you flip one of those games, then they're decently in the race to win the Big Ten. But they've just undergone so much that you know it's amazing to see them where they are right now. So they don't have Fantilli on on Saturday because he gets ejected for a scuffle. on friday a scuffle in which he rightfully is ejected for throwing a a punch and gets a dq because that's the rule in college hockey uh my problem with that is that there were two michigan state guys who threw punches at fantilli only one of them got kicked out of the game so we see this basically every week where it's just like how can you possibly call that and not call this other thing we saw a blatant five minute major at the end of the saturday game i mean let me let me correct that we saw a blatant five-minute major under these crazy rules, right? That was reviewed at the end of this at the end of the Saturday game that they just refused to call, and that's where Michi- Michigan State scores their tying goal when Michigan should have been on a five-minute major. That was likely to end the game because Michigan was going to uh, score on that. So 
between the injuries, uh, the Holt situation, the officiating malpractice that happens week in, week out, it's really remarkable that they're in this spot. And they got Frank Nazar back on the uh, ice this weekend. He scored a pretty goal on a three-on-one where he's like, I'm going to take this myself. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's, that's what a first-round pick looks like. Like He's still kind of finding his feet, but the talent, you can see it coming. So he's got a couple more weeks to ramp up before – Big Tim uh, playoffs, and if they can get him activated as their third line center, <laughs> that's a pretty good third line center. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got just a couple guys on the back end who you need to get healthy. So I don't know what the, the status of Truscott and Casey is, but given all the things they've gone through in this season, if they can get healthy for the NCAA tournament, I, I look forward to what that looks like. So when yeah. I when I said they were trending towards something, I, I guess it it really is a, a highlight of them responding to a another test. So they have had all kind of adversity this season. Uh, but Narado said that after this game, only way Michigan State could play with us is if they goon it up. Yeah. <laughs> and, so, and so here you had a team that is sees the clear skill advantage on the other side, and this is what you I don't care to sport. That's what you try to do to a, a skill laden or or a team that you might think is finesse. You try to punk them, yeah. right? You try to reduce them a bit. And Michigan showed that you can't beat them that way either. I, that, that, seem, that seems like something. That's hockey. Well, that's always been – that's what hockey is, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they did manage to get a game to overtime largely because the best player in college hockey missed the game. So, I mean, they'll take that trade every every day. Adam Fantilli's out for some – guy (laughs) whoever that guy was um but yeah and and, you know you like that kind of fire from from narado because it's true and i it's telling that in the saturday game the first time anyone did anything after the whistle they they called a minor and they didn't call matching minors and it's like oh you can do that and then you don't have the kind of situations you had on friday so it's clear that the league office you know, called down to these guys and they're like, if you would like to continue working in the big 10, don't screw it up again. Mm-hmm. And then of course they screwed it up again. <laughs> Craig, right. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to get you off. You no, no, that's, it's okay. I, I, I have a small advertising pump for MGO blog on Friday night, uh, Brian and uh, Alex and David did a watch along uh, at David's insistence to, in my skepticism and i think brian's larger skepticism so in our garage you had brian david and uh alex watching the hockey game and and it was on i think youtube i just and gotta the, make sure that i'm not like getting the blog in trouble for threats <laughs> yeah, but it, it was really good and the, it was really really good and uh and a lot of people thought so so i think these watch along things may be a little expanded, but I'm I'm just mentioning it because it, it was interesting and, and clever. I thought on on the same front. I mean, Michigan is 29 and one in a season when they've had guys out every game, uh, sometimes half the team out. And uh, isn't it time? What do you guys think? Isn't it time for Narado to be named head coach? Yeah, we talked or about this last it, week. It's past time. Oh, we did. I, mean, they, yeah, I think okay. at this point, oh, it's did. not just a question. It's not a question of um, if, it's just a when. It's, and it's probably when. the end okay. of the regular season. Uh, okay. Sam Stock 
Sam Stockton, who runs a Gula Gula Hockey, yeah. a very good Substack. It is good. Had a had a piece this week where he was, or was it? No, actually, it was uh, it was on M Live. There was an article profiling Narado on M Live that was mentioned the the uh, contract situation, and it's just said that like his current deal says that he'll be evaluated at the end of the regular season. So at this point, they're locked into the tournament. They have a very good shot at a one seed. I mean, he's going to get the job. I'd prefer he get it now, just for the whatever recruiting bump you get. But two weeks, you know, whatever. Yeah. Let's yeah. just move yeah. on. I, the the yeah. thing I wanted to get to is the I we've said, seen a lot of Michigan hockey teams before, and they've gone through periods before when they have guys injured. And like you know, we talked about they they lost Fantilli for one point five games in this one, but they also um, they're without Truscott, they're without Casey, and that's two of their best defenders, and they're having guys step up. And in past Michigan seasons, you know, we would get to like their seventh or eighth defenseman, and this guy would just be like a constant source of boners, right? But now they're getting to their, you know. <laughs> I haven't I haven't heard the word boners used in that context in a long time, so <laughs> I, I, I like I, it. It's good. Let's let's keep let's bring it back. That's the way it's that's the way you're supposed to use that term. Uh, yeah, I know. It's it's I was like <laughs> it's good. Like I, I know exactly what that means. So. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thank you, Brian, for comment for uh, for complimenting me on my ability to communicate in English. Um, yeah. But the uh, you know having uh, Jake Karanen play the way he's been playing, and that's not a guy you really expect to get anything out of. Having Luca Fantilli be a pretty solid guy. Having Steve Holtz come back after almost dying and. And I know he was part of the part of the ruckus more than the part of the play, but like he, that you, that's the guy you want, not Fantilli, who's you know going after a Spartan. Well, I mean, you ideally want Draper to do it because it's just kind yeah. of in his blood. Draper, we have Draper and Lapointe on this team. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we have people to take swings at the opposition. This is like their, 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 their yeah. Blood. Where's Darren McCarty's kid? Come on, <laughs> Dar- How about Malpy? Malpy, do you have anybody? Like we got. Put the whole gang together. Yeah, man. Um, real quick, just a couple of of uh, college football topics. So Notre Dame doesn't want to pay for an OC. I don't know if you guys saw that. That's wild. <laughs> yeah, his his number one choice was Andy Ludwig from from Utah, and you can't get Utah's guy. And then they looked at the Kansas State guy, and it couldn't get the Kansas State guy. And then they're, so they're going to promote their tight ends coach to to OC. I just I'm shocked that that Notre Dame is going Notre Dame, who seems like they're willing to play in the NIL space and yeah. the whole nine that they are not willing to go all in on an OC. Well, the thing is, is that those are good choices. Like I think more highly of Marcus Freeman for looking at college football and be like, you know who I like the Utah OC and the Kansas state OC. And he's got to be out of his mind frustrated right now because <laughs> you're Notre Dame, and I don't think Marcus Freeman is getting paid huge dollars, right? Like he hasn't established himself yet to the point where he would be getting, you know, Saban money. So if you can't go get one of those guys, like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. I know if you're if you're a recruit, especially if you're a quarterback recruit, you gotta be like, maybe I need to be, maybe I need to be looking harder at what their the direction they're going. And Notre Dame, because Ludwig would have been a really good hire, I think, especially both yeah. both of them. Like I, Kansas State's offense is like I, the, my highest pot compliment I could pay 
to the Super Bowl is it looked like Kansas State was playing Kansas State. <laughs> like they, they had it all. I mean, there's got the quarterback draw offense for the Eagles. I'm like, man, I feel like I'm watching a Big 12 game. And that's why it's 35 38. So Kansas State OC is a good idea. Wait, yeah. speaking of Super Bowl offensive coordinating, they did have at least one play that was Fritz Chrysler. I just wanted to throw that in there. <laughs> they, they had another mad magician's play in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I, real quick before we get out of here, you remember, guys, when, when we uh, news broke USC and UCLA, and they're coming to the Big Ten. And I think all of us agreed, oh, Michigan and Ohio State going to be playing those guys as soon as they get here. They're on Michigan-Ohio State schedule, right? Yeah. Ohio State just canceled their home-and-home home with Washington. Week. Uh, for 24 and 25. I know what you're saying, but, man, I kind of get it. Because no. what they said to me is they, don't, they know they're going to be playing USC and you're probably o- UCLA. You're Ohio State. You can beat Washington every day and twice on Sunday. Like, that's <laughs> weak. And I don't know Michigan doesn't have a whole lot of, like, room to complain. I mean – Oh, canceling UCLA can- was weak too. It's weak. yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, <laughs> canceling UCLA and we got ECU on the schedule next year. I mean, what are we doing? But if you're gonna play S, you know, and it's a, and it's a, at that point, it's a 12 team playoff, right? So you you can actually play someone in the non conference, and you're actually playing for seeding more than you are so now. So I think the equation about whether we should play someone meaningful changes in a 12 team playoff because you see that in in. Uh, in college basketball, right? You can't go through a college basketball season without playing some meaningful non-conference games. And I think that's because you're not just trying to get into a four-team playoff. You're, you're like, all right, we got some latitude. We could lose a game. But if we win this game, we have upside. We can get a bye, that kind of thing. You know, that's a really good point. The The 12-team playoff does mean that teams are going to be a little more likely to take some, quote, risks in the non-conference and you may see some higher quality non-conference games than in the well, past. Well, what I th- what I think you are going to see is you're going to see you're going to see teams in the Pac-12. You're going to see teams in the Big 12. You see teams in the ACC really try to schedule up mm-hmm. because those conferences are not going to be marquee conferences. There's going to be like it's not going to be a Power Five anymore. It's going to be a Power Two, and then three guys, and then okay, and so well, if those if those teams can get an attention grabbing win, it puts them in a much better position. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if if the the powers in the Big Ten, especially in the Big Ten East, uh, if they take the SEC tact, if they follow that lead that says, "Hey, our our conference schedule is so loaded, I don't give a rip about the about the non conference. We're going we're going to schedule some cannon fodder." And then we'll worry about strength and schedule coming from our, our league game. I think you should not categorize ECU as cannon fodder because they've been a pretty strong program. Next year might make they, they are currently they are currently cannon fodder. Yeah, they, they lost a lot of players this this past season. But the um I already wrote their preview for Halo Victors this week, so I'm I'm heavy up on them right now. But they got <laughs> bowling green on there too. No offense to, to Craig's buddy who runs bowling green, but like they are hey, like a, bowling a green camp. I Ziggy. They're tough. <laughs> It's like it's like that you thought Lloyd Carr's uh, coaching tree was dead, and then they like find deep under Toledo, they discover like all these old Michigan guys. Like Tolbert is the strength and conditioning coach, and mm-hmm. they got um they got Campbell coaching the receivers. Like yeah. they got all Carr's old guys down there. But I would love to play. And Brian said, like if you can get the Big Twelve or the ACC to play up, I'd love to play those teams. 
I those are the games that we haven't had lately. We had like an Oregon State game in uh in 2015, and that's basically it. I'd love to play like an Arizona. I'd love to. Well, get... they played they played Colorado, and both those games were yeah. one offs where they paid for it. Mm-hmm. And that Colorado game was a, was actual actually a game. So yeah, I mean, I think that might be something that happens more often now because there'll be they'll be like we can play at Michigan. And, you know, if we win that game, well, then we might not have to win our conference to get in. Yeah. yeah. All yeah. right. Well, we, we are out of time. So we can pick this this topic up next week uh, for, for sure, uh, because I'm curious. I'm curious how much flack they'll take from Ohio State fans about this. I haven't seen that part yet. I have to talk about uh, we'll basketball get, next week. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. At any rate, folks, that'll do it for us here today. We'll see you tomorrow here on the Michigan Insider on Sports Talk 1050 WTK and the Ticket, the official voice of University of Michigan Sports, Ann Arbor, Accumulus Station.